1: Well Kyoto, ora koutou, everybody, welcome along to the Short Baller Rugby Pass podcast, Scotty and Mills with you, Millsy the Mitre 10 Cup is finished, the Heartland Championship is finished, the Farah Palmer Cup is finished, that's the New Zealand domestic season over. You're done. Done and so dusted. Good. So good. So good. Today on the podcast, though, we have a very special guest. He is. Actually, he is a very special man, isn't he? He is. Uh, the short ball later on, we're going to talk about the bar bars taking on the All Blacks. I think we are, anyway. Um, you interested? <sighs> no. Nah. Good. We'll pretend later on that we are while we talk about it. But in the meantime, uh, let's go to uh, Corey Flint, former All Black, former Crusader, now currently retired. Retired. You've hung up the boots, Flinny.
2: Yeah, I definitely have mate. They're they, they hung up and um yeah, I'm I'm actually really happy.
1: <laughs> now I, I've got <laughs> to a few, be... Yeah, I I know you're happy because you're lazy. That's what's happened here. <laughs> but but I also we want to talk to about a few things today. Why Canterbury is so good at rugby uh also your career but also uh the heartland experience you played for the coast this year west coast beaten finalists in the heartland championship lahore cup final on sunday i think that's where we're going to start flinny because uh where were you mate
2: yeah well i was actually uh in japan playing for the world 15 mate um you you actually you you know that because you (laughs) you you Gave me a fair serve on uh, on the commentary
3: because I was watching it with Scott Robinson. <laughs> was this about where he's uh, sort of the time of the segment where he just hangs up, Sumo?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Actually, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> hey, mate. No, seriously though, I know I know you'd you'd planned that earlier than the year, and and you had no uh, way of knowing that the coast would get through to a final this season, but. Yeah, when you, when you came back from uh, from your journey up in France and Scotland and, and uh, joined up with West Coast, why did you make that decision, mate? The the only province in the country that has never won a title, the Heartland Championship, which is fairly much an amateur grade these days. What what did you have to prove?
2: Um, oh, there was nothing to prove, mate. It was it was more, um, you know, like my body was my body was good. It was feeling good at the time, um, and. Um, I was I was meant to be playing anyway, but um, Glasgow cut me. So um, and is that
1: Dave Ren- Dave gave you the cut?
2: No, 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 no. Um, it was uh, yeah, it was
3: the. You retired, mate. You retired. <laughs> you can you can name names, for me. Come on, yeah, come on.
2: Well, yeah, no, he he didn't cut me. It was, it was just a differing of opinions, I suppose you could say. <laughs> did
3: you get, um, did you get paid out? Well, yeah. Good got, on you, got boy. Good on you.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Just a little, just a little one, mate. just then went and topped yeah. it up in Japan, did you? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh, coming from you, Nilsie. Holy, totally, <laughs> <Mildy. laughs> yes. Hey, Flinny, hey, hey, mate, you, you're back now. So where are you going to reside, mate? Are you going to move Keri Lee and the kids down to Invercargill and uh, – in all seriousness, mate, are you actually hanging the boots up, or are you going to turn out for a star sometime when once Jay Harrison gives you a phone call and says, "Mate, one more year, eh?" What do you reckon? No, nah, um,
2: I'm I'm done. You know, I'm done in terms of uh, competition, uh, competitive footy. Um, heading over to Bermuda with the classics on uh, oh, no. on Friday, so. Oh, no. Doing that um, and then you know that'll that'll be me pretty much pretty much done so um but in terms of where we're living, we're gonna live, uh, set roots down in christchurch um at, at the moment, for sure you know we've got the, the kids are in school here, and um lee has got a got a job three days a week, so I'm a cute man at the moment I'm looking for a job, but um yeah just sort of doing that transition mate that uh, that you know know too well of
1: Don't, don't worry Flinney we're looking to make this a three man podcast in 2018 so uh, we'll be on the blowout here. I, I just want to take you back to the West Coast uh, decision to play though mate and uh, and the yeah. experience of playing a season of Heartland footy
2: Yeah so um, Mike Connors who's the CEO of uh, West Coast Rugby before I went to before I went to France he, he sort of said if um, if I'd be keen and come and uh, Coming to the west coast when I got back, if my body was all right and you know, and so I sort of I, I said I said you know, we'll cost some white bait and some lamb and stuff like that, and, and um, he said yeah, well we have got plenty of that, so um, that's how that's how it came. It was, it was sort of a, just honouring a handshake deal, and um, you know, and had a had a lot of fun too.
1: I got to say, Mike Connors uh, came up to me at the game on Sunday, in Meth and Flinney with a uh, with a medical bag and uh, full of ice and a, and a kg of Southwestern white blade. He's a hell of a good man. I can ins- and yeah. I can see why you liked your time there. You guys like JJ Manning, who's just a champion, and the Tofari boys, and uh, Pete Taraco on the wing. I love his story. You call him the Ferrari because he had no speed. I like that. And Tommy Ricky <laughs> and Nick Cummings, and you know, they're just a good bunch of guys, mate. And and I guess it, it is a different vibe after all you. Years of playing high-level rugby with the All Blacks, Crusaders, Canterbury, uh, in France, and Glasgow, as you mentioned, it must have been so nice just to be Tuesday's, Thursday's game on Saturday, a couple of beers with the boys, and enjoying it for what the game is.
2: Yeah, you're right, and and that's you know that was the whole reason really of, of doing it, just getting back and and um, and having that fun and and stuff like that. You know the boys, the boys they they sort of let you know that you were. You know, nothing but a West Coast player. So, um, you know they 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 cut they cut you down to size if if um, you know they think you're getting a bit too big for your boots. And you know it was fantastic, mate. The, you know the vibe that they've got on the coast is um, is great. You, you know they they obviously the Hawke Cup didn't go our way, but um, you know it's it's um, a bit, you know a work in progress. They, they they've got such a tough tough assignment with the catchment area you know they've got guys like we we were from Christchurch um we got guys from Nelson you know so it's, it's bloody tough to build a competitive team and i you know I was pretty pretty rat with how the boys did anyway you know
1: i got to say I, I was talking to mike about the region uh, the west coast province itself if you took it off the map and placed it over the top of the North Island, I think it stretches from Wellington to Hamilton. I mean, it's a big yeah. area. Uh, most of it fjords and deer and, and guys with six fingers. But, I mean, hell of a spot anyway. <laughs> um, that's a joke, Coasters. That's a joke. I don't mean that at all. Uh, but, look, it, it is so proud down there. Those boys are chuffed, and, and they all come over the hill over Arthur's Pass uh, to watch the game, mate. You had Coasters Corner and Methven. Shit, you would have loved it, Flynnie, if you weren't such a mercenary.
2: Oh, I... I was watching on on the, on TV uh, with Razor, he, he had his Sky Go going on his phone, so we were watching. It looked like a great day. I mean, in terms of tourism in New Zealand, sitting in Mesfin that you know that game was bloody, it was second to none, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and, and like you say, the the coast guys, they they um, the the supporters that we get are pretty parochial, you know. They 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 probably give they probably give us more shit than what they do
1: the opposition, you know? but especially your commentator Jimmy Finlay gets stuck into his. Oh yeah yeah he's he's uh, he's usually got a
2: few choice words. Um, he, he probably needs to take a little bit of a to Scottish. Scotty Stevenson uh, commentary <laughs> lesson.
1: I don't know. I think I could learn a lot from Jimmy how to drop a C-bomb into a commentary. To, <laughs> that would make my day. Hey, oh, funny, I, I want to talk about Canterbury uh, you know, you, you look at their track record this year. The Crusaders get up for the first time since uh, you were running around with them, mate. Canterbury have won a ninth title in 10 years. The Canterbury Wahine get up and win the Farah Palmer Cup for the first time. Mid Canterbury win the Lahore Cup. Uh, so, the only trophy going in New Zealand, apart from the Farah Palmer Cup Championship, that does not reside in the wider Canterbury area is the Meads Cup, and that's with the Butcher Boys at Wanganui. What is it about rugby in that area? That has created such a dynastic regime.
2: Oh man, I don't know. You know, like it's, it's. I think it's winning. Breed, you know, success breeds success. You know, like yeah, the culture that we have. You know, I've been lucky enough to play in in the Crusaders and Canterbury and and Toulouse and Glasgow, and you know, the cultures within the Canterbury and the Crusaders are. You know, you can't replicate, and it's something that's really, really special. Um, you know, like Millsy will know having having played for the Chiefs when they were really strong. You know, and you know the, the culture that they had there was it's a, it says a lot about a team. If you can get that culture right, and you get everyone buying into a common purpose, it's so powerful. You know, mm-hmm. and um, you yeah, know you've got you've got obviously you've got the players. Um, in terms of selections and stuff like that, but you know how many how many players have come from different franchises and they have sort of struggled at their home franchise, come down to the Crusaders and and flourish, you know. So it's um it, it is it's it's hard to it's hard to explain, mate. It's it, but it is pretty special, you know.
3: Yeah, I was going I was just gonna say that, Flinny, I was gonna say sort of ask you know, I know you know the. the the, your word culture gets sort of bantered around all over the place, and um, but you know if, if there's one thing that you can actually try and explain, maybe just one little thing that does make a big difference. You name those guys that come from different franchises, and you know the, all, all of a sudden they just blossom into something else. And it's almost like you take someone uh, from a different um, environment, different culture, you throw them into Canterbury, and you say, well, this is how it goes, and then they just sort of go about their own way. Yet yeah, when you take them out of it. They become a totally different beast. You know, they go away to their back to their provinces that they come from and almost go fall back into, you know, the bad ways. If there's one sort of thing that you could look at in Canterbury, um and, and also the Crusaders that you could at least try and explain, um, you know, what, what would it be?
2: I uh, I think uh, it goes where you know, it doesn't matter if you're a Richie McCall, Kieran Reid, Dan Carter or a Richie Moana, you know, a young guy coming through, you're treated equally. Mm-hmm. It's it's completely the same, you know. Um, so if if you know, Richie's late, he gets signed, you know. If uh, you know, and it's it's one, it's sort of one rule for everyone, if you know what I mean. You know, no one's treated as a as a star or, or something like that. And um, I think that would be that would be the difference. Um, that I've noticed, in and the other teams that I've experienced, you know, mm-hmm. Toulouse and Glasgow, your you, 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 superstars were treated a hell of a lot yeah. differently than the, you know, than the younger guys. Um, I, I suppose, yeah, that would be that would be the one thing, you know. And everyone everyone there is even and and working mm-hmm. um, towards towards that common goal as, as equals, I suppose you could say, you know.
1: It's funny uh when you look back on your career and and I want to I mean a really serious question for you you've achieved so much and uh for a long while there I think you were the most capped crusader's player of all time before Crocky discovered he could keep playing until he was 70 but um <laughs> you know if there's one thing you look back on what is it that you are most proud of in, in all the games you've played all the tournaments you've played all the success you've had
2: um oh. I don't know, mate. You know, like there's like you say, there was hundred and fifty old Crusader games that um you know, that, that all of them were special, you know. Um my hundredth game in in Cape Town for the for the semi final of two thousand eleven, you know, after the earthquake. Mm. And you know, that was that was something just something so special, you know, like there was um and then my one fiftieth, obviously, that was pretty cool. World Cup, you know, Millsy, you were there, you know, that was that was a pretty epic time, mate. Um you know, that was yeah, there's just so many, man. Uh, you know, like I was i I I suppose I've just been lucky um to have such a long career and you know, seventeen years and, and um yeah, I mate, I just just blessed I suppose, you know.
1: CJ, if someone was writing the valedictory for you, what would it say? How would you like to be uh, written about uh, in the future when people look back on the career of Corey Flynn? Oh, hell. <laughs> um, I don't know, mate. Far out. Will play for money? Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah.
2: No, no. Um, I mean, you know, like, I suppose love, love the game. Just love the game. Um, he, you know, he sort of. Well, I don't know. Uh, it's it's pretty, pretty uh, emotional time at the moment. You know, sort of thinking about that. Sort of, <laughs> it's all it's all sort of coming to an end and, and that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Just having a real love for the game. Um, you know, there was times there where I lost it in terms of um, my injuries and stuff like that. And but then. Um, I got a, I got a, a chance to really, to really, really enjoy my rugby, and I took it, and yeah, I think that would be me, you know, just have had the love of the game.
1: You know, there was one thing that stands out, calling all of your games, and uh, this is quite apart from the fact that you were always so competitive, mate, that you never gave your jersey to someone younger than you without them proving they deserved that. Uh, but when I say that, you, you always supported that person. But I, I remember talking to you when young guys like Ben Fennell were coming through and Cody Taylor, and, and you said to me, mate, they're not just going to get this jersey. If they want it, they've got to get it off me. And um, that was how much it meant to you to play for the Crusaders. But there was one game in particular I remember, might have been the funniest thing I've ever seen you do on a footy field. And uh, I can't remember who was the opposite player, but um, he called you fat and you complained to the referee. you turned around you turned to a referee and said he called me fat and uh, it was right through the referee's mic I think I fell off my commentary chair almost died listening to that it was beautiful you loved a bit of banter out there yeah uh, well you know like
2: Yeah, you, you play against the, the same players over and over again, and you know, and you, and you strike up relationships. You know, obviously, Hori, me and Hori were, were good mates off the field and stuff like that. And you know, so yeah, when you when you're there, you're locking horns and and stuff. You you want to have you still have the fun, and, and that's what you do. You know, you take the piss and have a bit of banter, and you know, and. And then you get on with your job, you know?
1: That's, that's great. Well, I'll leave it to Mills to wrap up, Corey. Hey,
3: well, flinny mate, I just want to lastly say, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure that uh, obviously you're going off on a different sort of avenue, um, you know, your career's over. But uh, personally, from for myself and also Sumo here, mate, you've been a fantastic stalwart of uh, New Zealand rugby and, um, and also especially down in the Crusader country. And in particular, I suppose, um, you know, we've got a bit of a connection being from Southland Boys High um, bit way back in those days. And who would have thought uh, a, a hooker and a, and a centre from Invercargill would, uh, would go on to make the All Blacks, mate. So congratulations, mate. Uh, enjoy uh, being away from rugby. And uh, hey, from uh, a little bit of advice, mate, it's all right to criticise now, mate. You can absolutely <laughs> criticise anyone you absolutely want. OK, so but well done, Funny And uh, hey, thanks, Thanks for answering your phone, mate. Um, that's that's how we can we know whether you're a bloody good bastard or not, it's mate.
1: That's true.
2: It's true. Cheers, nah, that, guys. Bloody uh, it was, yeah, caught me by surprise. I've just got home from a from a little jaunt away, but um, you know, but it's good, good having a yarn. Always is, and um, look forward to the next one.
1: Good on you, good Flynn. On you, mate. Thanks, mate. Corey Flynn joining us on the shoreboard. I'm a bit emotional listening to Corey. It is quite raw for him, isn't it? I mean, the guy's played for so long, 17 years, as he said, and. Uh, you know, he was so distraught about missing that game on Sunday. I know we're about taking the piss out of him a little bit, but um, there's nothing more he would have loved than running out with West Coast in that final on uh, Sunday in Methven. That's the kind of guy he is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what, what I've liked about what he's done, you know, he's come back and, and um, I kind of envy him a little bit, that he's actually come back to en- enjoy himself, do one little stint in New Zealand. You know, I know it's for the coasters and it's not quite, um, you know, at a higher level, but... He's given himself an opportunity to say, well, you know, I'm going to end my career uh, having enjoyed myself back in, in New Zealand and yeah. giving back to a small little town uh, like the West Coast. Yes, um, you know, and that's probably one of the things that I, I struggled with when I was overseas. It's not the same in, mm. in, in Europe or uh, in Japan. The culture's different. Um, you know, he spoke about... Um, it doesn't matter whether you're Richie McCaw or Dan yep. Carter, whereas sometimes overseas they give um, the older head special treatment, well, and I, that's the sort it, of thing you struggle with.
1: But, but it, it filters through the, the, the prism of football, aren't they, mm. where your superstars are your superstars, and that's what it is. Rugby Union's a very different game, and yep. I, I always worry about Rugby Union's approach, especially in terms of the commercial... Um, Capriciousness that you see every day with rugby and the private owners. Rugby's not football. No. One guy ain't going to win you a title. No, it's Uh, not. And you might have a striker in a football side who can get you close. Yeah. You're not going to get that in footy. There's No. no one player who's that good. He deserves to be treated. Differently from the rest of the team,
3: but it's also implementing that. It's also making sure that one superstar that you have got knows that you know he's not better than the team, and yeah. that's one of the things that you know um, a side like the Crusaders do. And you know, Flinny touched on it. You know, doesn't with whether you're late. If Richie McCaw's late, he's going to get yeah, fined. Well, Richie McCaw's never going to be late, you know, because yeah. then it, it, that's the example. But one thing that always sort of surprised me is, is what I sort of touched on. You know, as soon as some one one of those guys comes out of that environment they almost go back to their normal That's normal right. ways but they go That's back right. in
1: there and they're like uh, they're different yeah. again you know I, it's, I, weird, it's weird but I'd add to that I, I think everyone leaves that environment greatly improved Oh, absolutely as a person absolutely and you know we, we did a podcast earlier in the year on the short ball with Scotty Robertson talking about the environment that he creates in the Crusaders it's no different in Canterbury mm. and the one thing that uh, you know intrigues me about their run of success I think um, and I know Jamie Wall's sitting here as well correct me if I'm wrong but I think they've done those nine titles under four different coaches, at least three. Now, you can talk all you like about coaches, and everyone says, oh, well, they've inherited the players. But to have that sustained success when every couple of years your coaching has changed, Mm. that shows that somewhere above coaching level, you have inarguably the greatest administration in the game. And I think it rings true when you think that New Zealand rugby... Uh, is run by Steve Chu, a former CEO of Canterbury Rugby. Hamish Riak has now moved just to the Crusaders, but he's a very capable CEO, a new CEO, and uh, Nathan Godfrey, I think his name is, at, uh, at uh, Canterbury Rugby. And now their women's program has joined the men. So something is going super right there. We'll, we'll get to the bottom and, uh, of it over the next couple of weeks. I want to talk to a few more people as we investigate the dominance of Canterbury. And I, I joked on the radio the other day, you know, Auckland won two Super Rugby titles and New Zealand Rugby couldn't wait to break them up. <laughs> and uh, the Blues, should I say, couldn't wait to break them up. Say, so, mm-hmm. you don't need counties as well if you're going to be this dominant. Yeah. Canterbury Rugby have won nine out of ten <laughs> tournaments in the of ten cup. I mean, no one's talking about breaking up Canterbury and the Crusaders no. and look at what they've done. It's basically the entire South Island Baratago on lockdown. Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. A
1: sustained success and it's systemic throughout their entire system. Yeah and uh, they are just up, they're always up the people who work there. I mean,
3: you're right, it's interesting you bring that, that theory up about the fact that they've got something upstairs, you know, we often talk about the end product and the players and the coaches, mm. but it stems right from the very top and, you know, the, the, the guys in the admin roles don't often get, you know, commended for their role, the, the role they actually play because that's where it starts. I mean, you compare them to where, you know, Auckland are at the moment and that's, Perhaps the difference, it never, it never gets spoken about because yep. everyone just looks at the the final product and the results on the field. But you've got to take a step back and look at the Canterbury mould, look at what's been successful You've named it three to four different coaches. Yeah. Why are they still successful? You know, whereas
1: and and that's just head coaches. That's not to mention assistants and all those who have transitioned to other teams or gone up through the Crusaders, like Scotty Robertson. I mean, look, look at this weekend. I mean, Corey Flynn, a former Crusader, has gone to play for a World Fifteen, coached by Robbie Deans and Scott Robertson, two title-winning Crusaders Mm -hmm. coaches, who are going to take a Barbarian side (laughs) to face Steve Chu, a former Canterbury coach, and Wayne Smith, a former Canterbury player, Uh, and. Twickenham. Yeah, uh, this this is just this is deep. The Canterbury fingers are deep. No, it's deeper because right? you just named Steve
3: Chu when you're supposed to say Steve Hansen.
1: Did, oh, did I say Steve so, Chu I mean, was coaching? Yeah, yeah. Is he?
3: Yeah. Well, that's what you said. But hey, yeah, that's that's what happens when it's just Canterbury on your a lot mind. Of Steve's.
1: Mate. There's a lot of Steves. Yeah. You notice? I think it's the most common name in Christchurch. Steve. <laughs> is it? I think so. A lot of well, Steves. You're probably right. Melzey, I want to touch on a couple of other things. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the the culture. Uh, and the culture of New Zealand rugby, I know that it's, uh, it's put its hand up to say it's our fault for a lot of things recently. And uh, I understand why rugby would take a position on uh, a lot of issues in society because if they don't take a position on it, they're seen as irrelevant. Uh, only if they do do they, they retain their importance as a sport in the community. But we had uh, Australian correspondent Bull Staunton over. For the weekend, uh, him and his mate Chips Blanche came with me Friday uh, to Wellington. They drove from Auckland to Wellington to go to the championship final, had a ball. Uh, we were invited along to, to share a beer with the Wellington boys at their pub. Uh, Jamie Wall was there as well, but he must have left at midnight before he turned into a pumpkin. Not entirely sure where he was after that. But, you know, Jay arrived and uh, yeah, Brad Shields recognised who Jay was, even though they'd never met before. He's, he's seen Jay's work on rugby pass and uh, and stuff through our association. This is the captain of Wellington. They've won their first title in 17 years. He turns around at the bar and says, mate, Jade, welcome to New Zealand. Can I buy you a drink? Sure. Uh, Then they hand him the Championship Cup and he has a drink out of that. (laughs) I mean, the guy's having the time of his life. We go to Christchurch on the Saturday. Boys are sitting in the stands after the game. They're meeting people from both teams, uh, talking to New Zealand rugby punters. They're having a great time there. Uh, We drove to Methven. And they sat there on Sunday in Methven watching that, the Hawke Cup final, Mount Hunt with snow on the top, oh, a glorious day, mid-20s, 3,000 uh, 3, country punters and basically a paddock watching the Heartland final. You know, after the game in the Methven Rugby Club sheds with a big bottle of spades and then on the road back and up to Arthur's Pass, you know, he finished the weekend and he said, you know, look, look at the last 72 hours of our lives. We've been shouted drinks by the skipper of Wellington, the championship-winning team. We've been to the premiership final, seeing Canterbury win a ninth title. We've been to Methven and uh, met Sir Brian Lahore. And and every single person who met them, and I explained they'd come all the way from Brisbane, couldn't do enough to help them. Mm. And you know, that, to me, says more about this culture, quote-unquote, of New Zealand rugby than anything else, that, yeah. that a couple of boys who love their footy decided to come across for a road trip and experience that kind of weekend mm. with the people... They met all going out of the way to make sure they had a great time. You yeah, know, that's when you're proud of the game.
3: Oh, absolutely. And um, you know, we often forget that. You know, I mean, you talk about Brad Shields. You've gone from the the right one spectrum to the other. You know, to get right. right down to me from professionalism or right. semi pro. Well, he, he's he's obviously a Hurricanes to you know amateur. That's right. And you know, you couldn't sort of. Uh, there's no difference between the two. It's as if um, Brad Shields is playing. Um, yeah. Well, uh, the Lahore Cup, you know, the way yeah. they treat people. And that's yeah, exactly that's what you, you often get commended on when you're overseas. And especially um, as an all-black or uh, the, a black fern or whatever, that people th- see you as so down-to-earth. Or when you come to our mm. um, our country, like Jay Board did, and, you know, he was treated as like um, you'd, you'd known him forever. You know, um, the hospitality is fantastic. And I think that's what... Um, you know we should be proud of that, and we should keep hold, you know holding on to that. But that, mm. you know that stems from a long way back. You know we've always loved our culture in New Zealand is enjoying a, you know a pint or two, um, and also making sure that um, when people come and embrace our game, that um, you know we, we, we treat them nicely.
1: Couldn't have said it better, Milzy. We're going to move on on the short ball now to the Barbarians taking on the All Blacks. Um, it's a trial game for the wider All Blacks squad, quite frankly. I've never seen a Barbarian side pick like this. I mean, everyone basically playing for the Barbarians is a guy who's on the cusp of All Black selection. Mm. It's coached by Scotty Robertson and uh, Robbie Deans, both well-known to Steve Hansen, of course. Both have been around Steve Hansen for a long time. I get the feeling this is basically an All Black setup. this. Bring all the guys who are on the fringe that we couldn't take on tour. Let's see them in a game in action against our boys, see where they're shaping up, all part of the planning for the Rugby World Cup.
3: Couldn't have worked out better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've spoken about it many times at... You know, you could probably possibly field two teams now. If Steve Hansen had his way, he'd probably pop a few of his other players out here. <laughs> Isn't like, going to pick onto I'd the totally Barbarians, you know. So, but it is. It just goes. I mean, I'm, I'm. I know I said before that you know I wasn't looking forward to. I actually mean, it, it, am looking forward to the fact that you know they're saying so, I think 13 Kiwis in the um mm. Barbarian side and to play over there. You know, similar brand of. I mean, the Barbarians have always been known to throw the the pill around a bit, but you know, to I, I think they'll bring a little bit of structure as well, and so to see. Those thirteen New Zealanders, uh, well, Kiwis play against the All Blacks. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to to see how they sort of you know, bar up or, or, or compare.
1: Totally, but look, I mean, there's a chance here. I mean, this is a different thing. A Barbarians game usually, let's be honest, involves a week long drinking session getting paid about £7,500 to uh, spend the week and uh, Mickey Steelbodge is showing you off around town. I think this is different. I think there are guys there, the likes of Richie Moong, who are going to go over there and say, yeah, I had a taste of boys. I'm coming at you hot. Oh, Bonin Barrett's got the skipper's armband for this. Imagine Richie Mo carving him up on Twickenham. That wow. would be insane Well you, you
3: speak of Richie Mawang And I, I thought he was Probably one of the Unlucky ones I thought he, he oh, Unlucky He was unlucky else. I mean he should have uh, I thought. Well, in my opinion I thought he was Actually going to go On India tour I can see What the All Blacks Are, are, are doing Obviously McKenzie's going to be Their third mm. um, You know 10 But he's got a point To prove He's he's kind of Sitting there now He's going to control did
1: you, did you see him On Saturday night
3: Oh it, well yeah,
1: Holy I was gonna, shit
3: Yeah Well I, I, I read about it And he was fantastic I didn't actually Watch any rugby in the weekend I was going to confess to that.
1: I know you didn't, and there's a reason why you've got examinations. So I can understand that. I watched it for you, Milsey, and yeah. uh, wow, unbelievable! And oh. so, well, you look at this this game, perfect
3: opportunity. You think you might. Want to go and uh, you know get on the one hundred percent
1: going. If anyone goes down, I'll stick around the UK for another couple of weeks, boys. Absolutely. Holler at me. Yeah, and so
3: no, looking. That's a that's a massive matchup, you know. So yeah, I, I
1: just I you know, it just dawned on me. I was I was looking through, and because I, I know why. You know, technically speaking, quote unquote, the clubs aren't releasing players. It's outside the international window, but this could not have worked out more perfectly. I think for Steve Hansen the All Blacks mm-hmm. to be able to see their fringe players. I would not be surprised if they've had a hand in some of the selections. I can't prove that. I don't know that they have, but it wouldn't surprise me if they'd maybe slipped a couple of numbers across to Razor Robertson and Robbie Deans and said, mate, you mind picking this guy because we'd love to see a look at him. Yeah,
3: I mean, I mean, it is interesting, though, Sumo. I mean, because, I mean, imagine the insurance they'll have to pay for some of those players that are game, Also, being released, you know, they're on their break, and, you know, sometimes it's hard for guys like Richie Mawanga to be released to actually play for, you know, um,
1: your exhibition games like this. so He would have swum to the UK to have a chance at this game. <laughs> I reckon. Yeah, well, yeah. Dylan Mate, Hunt, I, mean, can, I can't wait to see Dylan Hunt go.
3: Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, look, I mean you, you, list, you, you name those guys there, you know, two form, you know, tens in the a minor 10 cup. They get mm-hmm. a chance now to play against the best player in the world.
1: Yep. I agree, Millsy. Looking forward to that one. Barbar's against the all Blacks. Looking forward to it. Maybe not for the result, but just to see how a couple of those Barbar's go when, uh, when the real heat's well, on. How,
3: how about some of those Barbar's against the Australians? I've seen some of those hits, eh? Yeah. Hey? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Stuff
1: that. Nayuravoro. Tony Amatupo with a uh, ball up the jumper. They should have given that try. Yeah, what's, what was the
3: go about that? Is, can't is it, do anymore.
1: So yeah, well, that's horse shit. I mean, I tell you what, if God protect the Barbarian brand forever, that they still make jerseys you can fit a ball up. <laughs> yeah. And All Black can't do a tuck up the jersey. Nah, There's no way. There's no way. That's skin tight, that stuff. Melzi, always a pleasure. Good luck with the rest of your exams. Uh, great to have Corey Flynn on the short ball today. He is a genuine champ, and uh, I know we'll be getting him on the podcast uh, regularly I, next I, year. You
3: know what? I reckon we should do this more often. Just ring up random guys. If they don't answer, why well, it just goes to show what, well, the, what we mean that, to them. that was planned. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, you I just made, it,
1: you I just it, made for... it look random. Oh, now now you've blown my cover
3: right at the end. Is that it, is it, is it what you guys do in the you're media, is it? Duck, Jesus. Mate. Why do you have to do that? Well, hey,
1: I'm just learning, mate. I'm, gone, I'm just transitioning, remember? It's been all year. You've been with me all year. I'm what still I mean? learning, mate. Still learning. Plenty of room. Every day's a school day, Millsy. That's been the Short Ball Rugby Pass podcast. Make sure you check out rugbypass.com for all the action. Hotting up in Europe as well or cooling down depending on which way you wanna look at it.